From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast. Last Thursday night, the NFL released their full schedule with game times and dates for all of the NFL's slate of games. This is your Kansas City Chiefs Google News Story of the Day. Kansas City has received five primetime games. They have they're tied for the amount of primetime games with, I believe, five other teams. They are starting their season much like I thought that they would against the Houston Texans on Thursday night football, September 10th. So that is exactly four months from today. They then will head to this Los, to the Los Angeles Chargers to play a 325 game on Sunday 920. So the first week, they already have a 10-day rest after their first game to play the Chargers at in Los Angeles. So that's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, the bigger question right now is whether or not Los Angeles will actually be hosting games in Los Angeles. And we will find out more about that later in the offseason. Then you move on to Week 3, which is another primetime game against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football. This is going to be one of the marquee games of the entire season. Patrick Mahomes at Baltimore against Lamar Jackson. That's going to be a fantastic game for Monday Night Football. But again, that gives Kansas City another chance to have an extra day's rest between the Sunday night game and Monday night game. Week 4, Kansas City will host the New England Patriots without Tom Brady. It's a 325 start on October the 4th. The next week, they host the Las Vegas Raiders at noon at Arrowhead. And then they have their third primetime game against the Buffalo Bills. Again on Thursday night football. It's a 7-20 game, obviously, since it's Thursday night. But very interesting that they're playing multiple Thursday night games other than just the opening game and their normal divisional game. So really interested to see how that shakes out for Kansas City. Uh, But that does give them the ability to have a break for their next game, which is a 3.30 start on 10.25 against the Denver Broncos. It's a Sunday game. Week 8, they will host the New York Jets at noon in Arrowhead. Uh, That will be the first game of November on November 1st. And then you're starting to look at the last game before the bye in Week 9. They host the Carolina Panthers also for a noon game. Uh, in week 9, week 10, they actually have their bye. So Kansas City is getting their bye later in the season like they have the past couple of years. I think that's really worked out well, and I really like that trend. Week 11, they will head to Las Vegas to play the Raiders on Sunday night football. That is very interesting to me because I'm not expecting the Raiders to be a great team this year. I think they will improve, but I don't think they're going to be a very good team. This is a point in time where I start wondering whether or not that game is going to be possibly flexed. While Kansas City's Week 12 game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is not scheduled to be a primetime game at this point, it is going to be Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. It's a 325 start, so it does have the ability to be flexed, and that is going to be the last game Kansas City will play in the month of November. The next week, Kansas City will host the Denver Broncos at home on a Sunday night again. So week 13 is their last currently scheduled primetime game. That would be primetime game number five against the Denver Broncos. Week 14, they go to Miami and they play a noon game. Week 15, 
this is not a primetime game against the New Orleans Saints at 3, 3.25 start on Sunday, December 20th. Very interesting that it's not a primetime game, but they have it in the 4.30 or the 3.30 slot, so it is a game that could possibly be flexed to be a primetime game in Week 15. Week 16, they play the Atlanta Falcons at Arrowhead at a noon start, and then their final game of the season is again against the Los Angeles Chargers at Arrowhead in a noon start. That is the Kansas City Chiefs schedule for 2020. We will see how many games in primetime they end up playing because I do expect some of their games will be flexed at this point. Today's Locked On Chiefs is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. They are fantastic. They are 16 different flavors. They are all chocolate. Eight of them have chocolate and nut flavors, and then eight of them are chocolate with nut-free flavors. Their bars are 100% covered in chocolate, and they are soft and easy to chew. These are delicious protein bars that make it easy to try to want to eat a healthier lifestyle, as you know that I have been trying to do. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The Peanut Butter Brownie Built Bar is absolutely fantastic. It has 20 grams of protein, only 170 calories, with 3 grams of sugar and only 3 grams of net carbs. That was absolutely one of my favorite meals that I had this past week. Uh, I had it on, I believe, Wednesday for lunch. It was absolutely great. Uh, here's the deal from Built Bar right now. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you will get $10 off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off Built Bar. Welcome back to Locked On Chiefs. I am Chris Clark from Chiefs Digest, and today we have a crossover episode with Mike DeBate from Locked On Patriots, giving you a preview on that matchup that will happen the first week of October, October 4th. And again, please go check out our friends at Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, check them out. They have fantastic protein bars for you, and here is the crossover episode with Mike. Chiefs Kingdom, Patriots Nation, the two most recent teams to win a Super Bowl in the NFL are set to do battle in 2020. The <laughs> New England Patriots are going to Kansas City to take on the reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. And while the Chiefs roster is locked and reloaded for a potential repeat, Patriots roster looks a little different, especially under center. But that doesn't necessarily mean that this matchup will be any less exciting and hard fought. It's always a great time when these two teams share the field of battle. And today, we kick off East Meets West Crossover Week in the AFC. I am Mike DeBate, host of Locked On Patriots, and I am joined by Chris Clark, host of Locked On Chiefs. Chris, it is a pleasure to join you today on the microphone. And the last time that we spoke, these two teams looked a little different, uh, especially the New England <laughs> Patriots. But... This is our second crossover, and the last time, of course, these two teams met, Sunday, December 8th, Week 14, 23-16 victory for the Chiefs. And in 2020, we don't have to wait quite as long for these two teams to lock horns. Week 4, October 4th, and a 4.25 p.m. start date at Arrowhead Stadium. Now, Chris, the Chiefs are once again poised to be a juggernaut. Obviously, we know the offensive prowess. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, Damian Williams, and believe it or not, that's only the tip of the iceberg. But Kansas City has a formidable defense as well. Under Steve Spagnuolo, I was so impressed by what this team did last season. The combination of Chris Jones and defensive end Frank Clark, I think, gave the Chiefs that 
edge that they were lacking maybe in 2018 and propelled them to a Super Bowl title this year. And of course, Chris Jones back via the free agents, via the franchise tag, excuse me. And they really should be good this year, if not better on the defensive side of the ball. Now, here in New England, we know a thing or two about title defenses, but I'm very impressed by what I see with Kansas City. And even though it's not easy, I think they're in the driver's seat for the repeat this year. You know this team better than anybody. When you look at the way they've built their roster, what do you believe makes the Kansas City Chiefs so much more formidable this year to repeat? And are there any concerns that you have heading into 2020? Well, I think there's going to be several concerns that you're going to have. You still have a question at corner, and I think that's going to be something that it's going to be very hard for them to get figured out. Uh, you, you don't know what's going to happen with Brashad Breland right now. Uh, he is going to be possibly serving a suspension at some point. We just don't know. Uh, so that's going to be a question mark at corner. And, you know, they didn't they weren't able to draft somebody very high. So they have a, a couple of guys that they drafted later. Uh, we'll see how those guys are able to transition and play in this defense. But I think what you're looking at, and it's still surreal to me to hear people talk about the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. But when you start looking at this team, they brought back just about everybody that they had last year. The only player that they didn't really bring back that was a starter is Stephen Wisniewski in the Super Bowl and uh, Kendall Fuller in the Super Bowl. And, you know, you still had Juan Thornhill, who... Uh, was hurt at the very last game of the season last year for Kansas City, who played fantastic as a rookie. I think he's going to be even better in his second year. And you mentioned all those guys on offense, and you didn't even get a chance to talk about McCall Hardman, who I think is going to take right. a big step forward as well. And, and that's not even to mention the Chiefs' first-round draft pick and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. When I look at this team, the bigger question to me is how much of a step forward is the defense going to take? Because you saw towards the end of the season, the defense started to clamp down. But the bigger question to me is, can they take a bigger step forward in year two? And I think they will, and I think that they're going to. I agree with you on that. And I actually really like the way that the Kansas City Chiefs have addressed trying to shore up that defense. Again, I love the move bringing back Chris Jones. I really think he's such a great fit with this team. But I really love what this team did with the draft this year, uh, Chris. Obviously, the Chiefs were the first team to draft a running back in the 2020 NFL draft. You mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Has the potential, I think, to be the steal of this draft. Um, He's going to bolster an already dangerous Kansas City offense. And I think he's going to serve as a very nice dual threat back behind Damian Williams. And to me, he's the type of perfect type of back to complement Williams in an Andy Reid offense. But I think the champs got even stronger because of the draft, not just on the offensive side of the ball, but I really like what they did on the defensive side of the ball as well. I love the pick of Willie Gay Jr. out of Mississippi State at the linebacker position. I think Kansas City had a little bit of a need there, and I love the way they addressed it. Legereus Sneed coming out of Louisiana Tech I think is a very good uh, um, addition as well. And defensive end Mike Dana out of Michigan in the fifth round, he might be one of those diamonds in the rough that I think could pay dividends for this team. And I also like TCU's Lucas Nying on the offensive line, giving Patrick Mahomes a little bit of depth on that offensive line. When you look at the Chiefs draft hall, Chris, who do you believe is going to have the biggest impact on the team this year? Well, me personally, I think it's going to be Willie Gay Jr. I think that he has the opportunity to step in and, and fill a huge need for Kansas City. And don't take that to mean that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not going to make plays for Kansas City. I think he's going to. 
But one thing that Kansas City sorely lacked last year and really missed was a speedy linebacker that could go sideline to sideline and was able to tackle and and be you know a good defender. Uh, they didn't have that in Reggie Ragland. They, Anthony Hitchens really hasn't been the answer. Uh, I like what Damian Wilson brings, but I think he's been playing out of position a little bit. So I think that Willie Gay Jr. could really be a guy that steps in and is able to give Kansas City something that they haven't had on defense and will allow them to play a little bit more of the base, which should help them shore, shore up their running game or their running defense a little bit. Uh, I do think that Clyde edwards Slayer is going to be uh, somebody that Reed is going to take full advantage of in his offense. But I, I do think that Willie Gay Jr. is going to be the guy that's going to step forward and be one of the biggest guys in this draft class. At least yeah, the and first I year. I do agree with that. And Willie Gay Jr. is someone that I had mocked to the Patriots a couple of times, knowing that the Pats needed some linebacker help. He was a guy I kept a sharp eye on. And when I saw that uh, the uh, the Chiefs had selected him in the second round, it was one of the picks that I kind of shook my head and said, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's going to pay some big dividends for Kansas City. So, again, I really like the way that uh, uh, that they're uh, putting together that team. You mentioned some of the concerns previously, especially about Brashad Breland and some of the difficulties that he's going to have off the field and what that means for his time on the field. But at the same uh, time, you also look at some of the moves that they've made, like you've said, and I think it does kind of help to uh, to shore that up a little bit. Chris, it's a little early to get into the X's and O's of this particular game, seeing that we're not even sure what the final rosters are going to look like between both of these teams. But when I look at the Kansas City Chiefs, again, I see an offense that is just absolutely stacked from top to bottom. You mentioned Nicole Hardman earlier, and we talked a lot about him the last time you and I spoke on a crossover show when the Patriots played the Chiefs last year in 2019. You mentioned his ascent and what that's going to mean for this team. Is there someone under the radar right now that you look at? And it could be on the defensive side of the ball, too. I don't just mean to single out Kansas City's offense, but is there an under-the-radar player that you have your eye on that you believe is going to be a household name by the time the 2020 season really gets into uh, its meaty part, for lack of a better term, as you head toward the playoffs? Well, I think when you look at Kansas City, one of the things that they have to hope for is that you're going to have a guy that's going to be closer to a household name, even though a lot of people are going to butcher his first name, uh, and Shavarius Ward. I think it's they're looking at him as being a starting corner and maybe their number one corner going into the season. Uh, and I think he played very well at the end of the year last year. So I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be taking a step forward this year. I think he's going to be playing even better than he did towards the end of the year. And from everything he's been saying that I've seen on Twitter and, you know, between him and Tyron Matthew talking back and forth, it sure looks like he is dialed in and he is all about trying to improve uh, what he was from year, you know, three, I guess, really with uh, in the NFL to year four and being able to be a guy that can be coming in as a starter that you can count on week in and week out and, and play a very important position at uh, corner for Kansas City because they're going to need that especially when you start looking at the depth that they have at that position, there really isn't much there right now. So there's a lot of question marks. There truly are. And, you know, every 
team going into the season will face question marks. The good thing about being a defending champion is those question marks tend to be a little bit more fewer and far between than some of the other teams. And again, in New England, we know all about offseason question marks. It's been a tumultuous offseason here in Foxborough. And Chris, you've provided a great amount of insight when it comes to the Chiefs potential in 2020 but this wouldn't exactly be a true crossover unless we flip the script and you put me on the Foxborough hot seat in just a moment folks Chris Clark of Locked On Chiefs and I will talk about that tumultuous offseason in Foxborough and what it means for the Patriots this season when this crossover episode of Locked On Patriots and Locked On Chiefs continues All right, Mike, your turn on the hot seat. Let's go ahead and get down into the nitty-gritty of this. Everybody wants to know, how are the New England Patriots going to do without Rob Gronkowski? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Although, that is going to be a question, is how that's it going is. to work it out. It actually is. Um... <laughs> but, uh, but obviously, that was, yeah, that's that was... not the question on everybody's mind. The question is, how does Bill Belichick move on from Tom Brady? You know, it's almost impossible to fathom having to move on from a player that's been the cornerstone of your franchise for 20 years. I mean, there are a lot of people, myself included, and I'm not going to get into the debate about the GOAT back and forth, that believe that he is the greatest to play the position. It's just simply impossible to replace that type of productivity and that type of football acumen. Um, The guy they're going with in Jarrett Stidham, in my opinion, does have the ability to be a solid leader of this team. I've seen the the leadership capability of this kid, the way his teammates respond to him, uh, the way he's able to command respect out of his team in practice. Uh, Even during the preseason, you saw that a lot. He has the ability to grow with a young team in New England. Now, the question mark right now with um, Jarrett Stidham is his decision-making, his ability to make the quick decision, the quick read that Tom Brady was so good at. Um, they're going to struggle in that department this year, if I'm being very honest. That's something that is not going to be taught or learned overnight. It's something that Jared is going to have to embrace, and it's going to be something he's going to have to grow into. Now, can he do it? Absolutely. I think the uh, the um, the, uh, the the talent is there, and I think that without question, the drive and the desire and the football intelligence is there, but it's going to take a little while to do that. If the Patriots do shore up that Um, offensive line and I think it was very interesting that the Patriots chose to franchise Joe Tooney the more I'm hearing from the team is that they want to do everything they can to keep Tooney in a Patriots uniform that's a smart move keeping that left side of the offensive line intact try to give Jarrett as much time as possible to be able to step up make throws and find his targets If he doesn't have the time to be able to find his targets and he finds himself on the run or he finds himself under pressure more often than not, it's going to be a long season in New England. But if he can find some time from that O-line, he's got a shot to be a pretty good and pretty decent quarterback this year and may even turn some heads doing it. To answer your question in a, in a dime, though, Chris, it's probably more likely that the Patriots are going to utilize a strong running game, have Jarrett step up, make throws when he needs to, use the intermediate parts of the field in order to be able to find his targets, 
A lot of people think he's going to shy away from Julian Edelman. I don't think he's going to shy away from Edelman, but I think he may use him a little differently than we saw Tom Brady utilize him, where whenever he got into difficulty, meaning Brady, he looked to Edelman to be able to spark that offense. I don't necessarily think Jarrett's going to do that. The guys that I actually look for him to do that are going to be guys like Nikhil Harry and Jacoby Myers, guys that he knows he's going to be building with for a number of years. So I think they'll use those intermediate short passes to be able to move the ball down the field, go with a strong running game, and again, rely on their defense to keep these teams in check. That's going to be the bread and butter of the New England Patriots this year, at least in my opinion. Well, and there's a lot of question marks when you start talking about this move and when you start talking about Tom Brady. I guess really the bigger question for me is not necessarily can Stidham do this. It's how do how does New England move on and see Tom Brady playing another uniform? Because I think it's that's difficult. going to be a huge thing. It's very difficult. And, you know, the more success that Tom has down in Tampa, the more difficult the hot seat here in New England is going to be for Bill. Now, don't misconstrue that, folks. I do not mean that Bill's job is in jeopardy. It's in no way in jeopardy. If anything, Belichick's job may be as secure as it's ever been here in New England because of the fact that they know they're going to need that football mind to bring this team forward toward more success in the future. At least that's what New England fans are hoping for. But it's difficult to move on from a guy that was the cornerstone, again, of your franchise for more than 20 years. Brady was such an ingrained part of this region, not just on the football field, but off the football field as well. Brady's corner was a huge part of Gillette Stadium. Uh, Watching him run out of the tunnel, pump his fist and get everybody going. This was such a part of the New England football experience. And I know those things don't matter on the field, but they do matter in the long run. It is a part of the culture. So that's going to be extremely difficult from a fan standpoint. It's going to be a while before they're going to be able to feel a quote unquote new normal, which is a term we hear a lot of. And I don't mean to equate the two, but um, on the field, it's going to be very difficult to embrace that new normal of seeing someone that's not wearing number 12 taking snaps under center. Um, And again, if he has the amount of success that I believe he's going to have in Tampa this year, it's going to make it all the more difficult. But again, the Patriots have to reinvent themselves a little bit here. Win with a strong defense, make the running game a little bit more of a focal point in your offense. Try to shore up that offensive line. You see a lot of depth there and maybe switch it up a little bit when it comes to some of the offensive skill position weapons that Jared Stidham will use. And that may help him to be able to forge his own identity. But I'm not going to mince words here. It's going to be tough, Chris. Well, it's going to be it's definitely going to be tough. And then you start talking about what Stidham is going to struggle with. And you're talking about smaller windows and quicker, quicker decision making that he has to make. I'm more curious don't get me wrong. I think that he's going to have to make quick decisions because I don't think he's going to have the time to throw that he's used to having. But I think the NFL windows are going to be a big thing for him too. I mean, that's from his level of play to where he's going to be playing now. And he's backing, or he is the quarterback now of the new England Patriots who have been a perennial powerhouse in the NFL for years. That's a lot of pressure to put on a young kid. 
Absolutely, without question. And it is a lot of pressure. The one thing that I can tell you about the people that I've spoken with that are close to the team and those that have been close to Jarrett's progression is that this kid is not very flappable. He is someone that's able to shake off some bad decisions. He's able to shake off some bad plays, and he can leave those things in the past. It may sound cliche, but it is an important part of being an NFL quarterback to be able to move on from a mistake very quickly and get yourself back into the game, get your head back into the game. He's taking over from one of the guys that was so good at doing that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is one of the best in the game at being able to do that. Something I don't think he gives enough. It gets enough credit for Patrick is an incredibly smart, incredibly um, dedicated quarterback. And so tuned into his craft that if he does make a mistake, which he doesn't make many, by the way, folks, (laughs) but for his two in the Super Bowl. Well, it's true. That is true. And Len, look, and, and he was able to bounce back from that and still lead his team yep. when he needed to and come up big. That's an intangible that needs to be cultivated. It has to be in you. Yes, you can own that that skill and you can sharpen it uh, with repetition, Absolutely. with practice. But if that's in you and that's intrinsically in you, I think that really gives you an opportunity to be a special player in this league. I'm in no way saying that Stidham is going to be what Brady was or what Patrick is. But at the same time, that type of drive and that type of confidence in yourself is something that will serve him well. So it's a lot of pressure to put on. Uh, only time will tell if he's going to be able to shoulder that load. But the feeling in New England is that he can handle it. And coming from a, a coach that is not very big on giving his players an awful lot of praise, uh, the word is that uh, Bill has been very impressed by what he's seen with, with Jarrett so far. So only time will tell, but uh, I'm willing to trust the hoodie on this one. Uh, he's He's got a plan, and with his track record, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt in this case. Fair enough. I, I do have to kind of put you on the hot seat, though. I have to ask this question. Uh, I think I would be remiss if I didn't. With what you're seeing right now, and obviously there's been no practices, you, you're not able to see any kind of reports on how rookies are picking up things because they just don't have that ability Uh, to be in the stadium and be in the facilities to learn things. But just based on your draft class and the schedule as it has been released, what is your feel for what the Patriots are going to be looking at uh, in the AFC East uh, and record-wise for this season? Uh, Record-wise for the season, I would say a realistic expectation for Patriots fans is probably 8-8, and 9-7. I would personally say nine and seven looking at their schedule um, because I do believe they're going to have some success in the AFC East. I know a lot of people are looking at it and already handing Buffalo the division crown. And I really like the way Buffalo is constituted, by the way, I think that's going to be their toughest test in the division. Um, But at the same time, these two teams know each other so well, the Patriots are still returning a lot of their core guys like Stefan Gilmore, Devin McCourty, uh, Dante Hightower, Matthew Slater, Julian Edelman. Uh, These are guys that have been, you know, say what you will, Sony Michelle, James White, there's still a lot of familiarity that these guys have with the opposition. So in that respect, I do believe that they're going to be able to get wins when they need to. Um, Maybe I'm being optimistic by saying uh, nine and seven. I think eight and eight <laughs> wouldn't shock me. I don't believe that they're going to have a losing season. I don't believe it's the makeup of this team to do that. I do know one thing. If it is going to be a losing season in New England, it's not going to be because they're tanking. Uh, I've heard that argument several times. Uh, the way this roster is put together is just there is no way that's that's what they're doing. So 
regardless of what their final record is, they're not going to tank. Uh, but I think, again, it's realistic to believe that the Patriots are going to be able to rely on defense to maybe win some games that on paper they probably shouldn't. Uh, but there are games that we're going into where I'm already penciling in a loss. And I hope I'm not spoiler alert here, folks, but this is one of them. Uh, I look at the way the defending champions are, are, are just constituted from top to bottom. And it's tough to think that, you know, a guy like, you know, Stidham and, you know, a young offense trying to find its way is going to be able to hang with the Kansas City defense. And then you're talking about uh, an offense that can really make even the best of defenses uh, look mediocre or uh, even, uh, you know, pretty sick when it comes to uh, the, the, uh, the right. prowess that they have on the field. So, no, and yeah, and I, I think that's it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, was, I was just going to say, I think that's a great point. I, I do think that it's going to be when you start looking at this specific game, I think the big question mark is I know the Patriots defense is going to be good. That doesn't that's not going to be something I'm questioning. My question is, is Kansas City's offense is probably going to put up 20, 25, maybe even 30 points. Can New England's offense do the same? And I just don't see it. But obviously, we don't know anything really about either of these teams right now because no training camp, no nothing at this point. Absolutely. And again, that is the big wild card. Uh, You don't know what these teams are going to look like. Again, we don't really know what the final rosters are going to be. There might be surprise cuts from other teams and guys come in and all of a sudden, sometimes those types of signings, those under the radar signings can give a team a little bit of a shot in the arm to be able to maybe even be better than we thought they were going to be prior to the season beginning. So there's so many factors that can be involved. But again, Chris, I agree with you. I look at the fact that the Patriots defense is probably going to be able to hold Patrick and the uh, the Kansas City offense to between 25 and 30. It's amazing when you talk about how good an offense is where holding them between 25 and 30 is considered a good game. Uh, that's how uh, much respect that we have up here for the Chiefs offense. But uh, again, defensively, that Chiefs defense is a lot better than they get credit for. They're overshadowed by the offense. I understand that. But at the same time, I think they deserve their just due and their credit as well. And I just don't see the Pats being able to put up those kind of points. But they will win some games this year, folks, where that defense is able to shut down an offense, maybe with a younger quarterback, maybe with a little more inexperience on offense, and that defense can carry them to some wins. That's why maybe I'm a little over-optimistic about their season. But ultimately, yeah, I think uh, this is going to be a uh, uh, an interesting game in Arrowhead, and uh, I'm just hoping for a pretty decent fight at this point. <laughs> Well, yeah, and I think if it was a little bit later in the season, it might help the Patriots a little bit more. But I think early in the season, it's going to be a little bit harder for one for them to get their feet under them uh, and be ready. But also, when you start talking about playing in late or in early October, you're still probably talking about pretty decent temperatures. And I think that's going to really help the Chiefs offense when you're talking about all the speed that they'll have on the field. Right. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it will work to their advantage, as it should. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mike. I really appreciate it. It was really fun talking to you today. Oh, it was a blast, Chris. Always have a a, a lot of fun joining you on the microphone. Uh, These two teams always have a good game. So who knows? Maybe we will be surprised uh, by uh, the outcome uh, of this game, and it may be closer than we both imagined. But uh, I look forward to doing the official crossover with you when this game happens in early October. Sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Have a great day, Chris. Thanks for joining me today. Ryan Tracy is the founder of Rogue Analytics and the host of RGR Football on YouTube. Follow him there. 
Chris Clark is a senior analyst at ChiefsDigest.com where you can get his work. Rate and review at Apple Podcasts and subscribe on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you for listening.